Welcome back to the School of Calisthenics with Tim and Jacko. And this week, we are back to the stories. And it's my turn to uh, tell my story through answering Tim's exquisite interview questions. That I jotted down on an aeroplane after gin and tonic. <laughs> so there's a few different approaches in there. We've, we've, we kind of, we, we tour the houses a little bit, don't we? Your rugby career, what you do at the School of Calisthenics. We get a little bit deep and meaningful about some instances along the way of us working together and... Yeah, try to take a slightly different approach in terms of what you might have heard of Jacko's yeah, think, history before. I think a very different approach. I was, I was, I didn't know what the questions were going to be, and um, Tim took us down a very different path at times that I wasn't expecting, which was great because then we got to um, discuss some different things that I think a lot of people uh, will find interesting, hopefully. But um, you certainly, uh, I think, will be. Uh, intrigued and surprised potentially at like some of the stuff that we're talking about it's not just your bog standard like how do you do a human flag jacko why do you want to do a human <laughs> flag we didn't even say human flag once i don't think no i don't no. think we did but you know where you can learn the human flag tim in the virtual classroom jacko so if you want to start to progress your calisthenics training you want to find out and get access to all of our best content it's on there on our platform for you it's waiting the movement specific classrooms we've got a community in there there's workouts in there that you can follow which are new and refreshed every week there's playground time so you can just go and have some fun with your training it's all in there and it's all available on the virtual classroom and you can find that on our website schoolofcalisthenics.com and you're going to after listening to this podcast you're going to know me a little bit better a little bit deeper and then you can hang out with us in the virtual classroom community as well so sit back and enjoy Jacko on the School of Calisthenics playground session. Welcome back to School of Calisthenics. It is another playground session. And these are funny. And I can't help but smile it's because it's, reversal. A, it's an interview session where I am going to interview Mr. David Jackson about... I've got an extensive list of questions, um, some of which are more sensible than others. <laughs> I just remember I kept, I did this the wrong way, I didn't, I went first a few weeks ago, and actually, you seem to be reveling in this opportunity, I feel like I'm going to get drilled for some, or grilled for some reason. Well, I, I knew this was coming up, and we, we were on a flight to South Africa fairly recently, and I thought, I'd had a gin and tonic, and I'd written a blog, I think, and I thought, now, I'm going to, this is a good time to write Jacko's interview questions. So we're going to take a journey, at some point, we're going to try not to cover and repeat a lot of the stuff that we've talked about before. Some of it will come up because it's general themes. Uh, we've taken a more relaxed approach. We're on the sofa today. Um, so For the visual learners. Is there anything that we can't talk about, Jacko? Um, I think once on a podcast I spoke about some problem that I went to the doctor with. That I don't know that you can go any lower than that, so I think we're fine. Okay, on to question two then. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was my opener. All oh, right. <laughs> We'll see if we can shoehorn yeah. that in somewhere. Anyway, right. So I don't know if we're going to get the same responses to this one. As people were like, I really enjoyed hearing Tim's story of how he got into coaching. First, I've put some points down as how do I want to conduct it? And I've put down Make Jacko Cry. <laughs> That'll be good for the likes. Because <laughs> you you're an emotional guy. Sometimes I, I you, can, you're not, I you're can not, cry. Yeah, it's yeah. One, of, one of many emotions that I am able to portray. <laughs> I haven't cried at a workshop yet. No. Why do you think I'm quite a big crier? No, but I think you've often said when we've talked about stuff before, you're like, when you, specifically, specifically when we talk about your playing career yeah. as a rugby player when it finished, yeah. there are times when you, I can see oh, actually, when you I nearly did on that. cry at yeah. that. Uh, remember when, um, what was that thing we went to, the summit thing, um, and that lady had us on stage and had to explain 
Can't remember. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. The live, <laughs> the live coach. But yeah, it, it, yeah. It, I just choked up a bit because she caught me off guard because I'd not spoke about that for like years. And then, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Well, we'll get into that anyway. So <laughs> right, um, back to the beginning. Do, so do you think I have a question for me then? Do you think you'll actually get me to cry? No, 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 no. You were here the question before. You think right? This is going off in the wrong direction. Um, <laughs> so what number question are we on? This is now number two because <laughs> you you crashed the first one. Um, one thing I think that's been that, that rugby has been a massive part of your life. Yes. So like your identity for a long time. I mean, you, you, when you talk on podcasts before, you've been a rugby player since you were uh, since nineteen eighty eight when I got the best effort award. Yeah, so since so I was how six old were you? Were six? Yep. Yeah, and then you finished your playing career, and I was thirty one. Yeah, so a massive part of your of your your life wrapped up in rugby. And we're going to talk about rugby in a bit. But one thing that I've always been very impressed by you of, and is different from a lot of the other athletes that I've worked with over the years, is that you weren't just a rugby player. So as you when when you when we first met, um, there was a there's a specific skill set that I was looking for to join the one athlete team, and I needed somebody who was an ex professional player or a professional player played at a high level. I needed somebody who could teach. I needed somebody who got some mentoring quality certificate or experience. I needed someone who who knew about sports nutrition and some psychology to fit into what we were looking at was around mindset. And what we were trying to do with one athlete was create a very athlete centered approach to supporting Paralympic athletes. And we had physiotherapy, strength and conditioning, which was my area. And we had mindset and that's what we kind of like looped into that thing of all these different things of what does a performance mindset look like? And when you rocked up, all of a sudden there was one person who embodied all of these things. And that's in addition to having a master's. So I was just interested, like you managed to do a lot whilst maintaining a professional career. Like why did you do that? Because it would have been quite easy to have just played rugby and had an easy time we haven't included my um call of duty um status that i got to as well on playstation (laughs) (laughs) i wasted a lot of time as well um first i'm surprised that you were impressed that was nice um what i think i don't know um well, go, go through the list of things that you actually, you are certified i was trying to be yeah what are you certified and accredited to do now um look after 30 children in a classroom. So I'm a secondary. So I've done my, yeah, did my PhD and NQT year um, after. So I went to uni um, and did materials engineering because I was sort of good at sciences at school and my dad uh, thought that engineering was a very safe and good job to go for. And I was, you tend to do things that you, you're good at. And so like I've, I did maths, physics and chemistry at A-level and I was quite good at them. Um, I think I like some of the things about sort of maths and science things that I liked was particularly in maths, you knew if you had the answer right or wrong. So you didn't even have to wait to find out. And I was crap at English and um, another... We'll come to that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I was a lot worse. I did work very hard on that. Um, And so I I got my first like professional contract when I was, I think when I was 18, I'd just gone to uni. Um, and so I went to uni in Loughborough and was playing at Nottingham, so it was only about half an hour away, and that was actually one of the reasons I I wanted to to go to a university where I was close to the club club, but I didn't I wanted to carry on playing there. Um and then yeah, so went through went through that and why did I want to be a teacher? Um I don't know, but rugby was sort of a bit semi it was like semi professional then. It was um I had a year when I finished my my masters. Um, 
where I went sort of full time, but was doing some rugby coaching as as part of that. We had like we had to be a sort of we were doing coaching in the community as part of your contract. Um, and I think I found it a little bit. I found it quite difficult only having that only having rugby to focus on, and I actually worked I think a lot better when I had something else going rather than it being sort of all consuming. Because um, there's a fair bit as a, as a professional athlete, there's a there's a fair bit of dead time. Yeah, where you don't actually. So you train what you train in two sessions a day, off season, one session a day in season, or um, I think generally it was sort of like a you might do a double day Monday Tuesday, potentially Wednesday off, Thursday one session, Friday off, play Saturday. Like that would be a typical in season training thing. Which is so yeah, there's not you got a lot of downtime. The, the level that I played at, we used to just train Tuesdays and Thursday nights. And to be fair, they weren't compulsory. <laughs> <laughs> and play Saturday. So you could do one, one if, or sometimes neither, and still play. I'm guessing that was probably quite different. <laughs> yes, probably a little. Um, yeah, a little bit different. Um, yeah, so then I went, yeah, I, I did, I think I, I did teaching. I thought that would... Uh, did you did you know yeah. what you wanted to do, or was it literally just a case of filling time and those things seemed like they would be? Um, no, I think I knew I wanted. I think I liked teaching. I like helping people. Um, I then, like, I taught science because you you can only t- like you have to teach the three certain amount of your degree related to the subject you're going to teach. Um, and I think yeah, you know, I thought I I wanted to to teach science, um, and I. And I like kids, and um, yeah, that was that was. My mum's a maths teacher. I don't know if that played it. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Reflecting back on it, like exactly what I had a re- I had a fantastic chemistry teacher at school, Mr. Goodridge, and he um, he was a massive, I guess, inspiration to me. And I think I think that um, part of that was I think a lot of people have if you if you do experience a very good teacher when you're at school, the, like most people can probably name that teacher, yeah. like. When was the last time I saw him? Thirty years ago, or something. I can still like, or twenty years ago, um, and yeah, that I, I juggled that with rugby, which was which was tough. So that, that, at that point, I was when I did my NQT year, I was working school nine to five, or no, whatever, what school, eight till four, whatever. Then doing your marking after and going straight to the rugby club and training. But at that point. I had to sort of make up with all the other stuff that I was missing. I was training Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night. If we were playing Saturday, Friday night off, play Saturday, potentially doing some marking or planning on the bus on the way trip on the way down. Sunday, all day, like setting up all your classes and whatnot for the for the week before. And um, crack, I don't know how. When I think back to that now, and I think about sometimes when we talk about being busy, like. I did. I had, there was zero downtime at that point, mm. and strangely enough, that was the, that was one of the best seasons I had, rugby wise. Um, and but then things did change because then after that, I went back to going to full time rugby, um, and and then had and had a really probably that was the most enjoyable part of my career then. Um, and I think what I then realised was that it's good for me to have something else to focus on, not just the sport. Um, and then, so I did things like, um, my sports nutrition diploma, particularly when I got, had an injury where I think I broke my foot and I knew, I just knew it was going to be three months out. So I was like, I'd want to have something to do. At least I guess I'd learned from my experience of like not having anything to do. Um, but you managed to, yeah, so you used the time yeah. quite wisely and then accumulated some, 
Yeah, I felt like I was collecting just like certificates of like <laughs> building up your record of achievement. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but it's cool um, coming handy. That I mean, that's the, that's what my kind of going yeah. towards is that you use the time wisely, and you don't you didn't necessarily know where it was going to go, but there was all of a sudden like uh, it's, it was amazing how how we met, and then you literally couldn't have been a better yeah. jigsaw piece to fit into the one piece of the puzzle that we needed yeah. um, at the time, and then that was that was an onboard because you've talked before about when you finished playing rugby, you actually came out of it fairly abruptly and you don't know what, you didn't know what you were going to do, yeah. but it was a real like blessing in that sense of that we connected around the same time. And then you were able to come on, jump on board straight away and then train as a strength and conditioning coach on, on top of all of that. Yeah. It was then we start, we, we were able that, that journey for us to start working together was facilitated by your experience and, and what you brought to the yeah. table. I think what you've made me I'll just think like having a little few extra minutes then to reflect. I think what I actually what I actually really like is I like learning. I love learning. I love learning new things, whatever that might be. And actually when I think of of when I was when I had when I wasn't learning anything, um then I didn't I was a bit lost, I guess. And whereas whether it was learning how to what you needed to teach in the classroom or how to control the class or this, that, the other, what, learning about the sports nutrition side of things, whether it was learning then about um, like, yeah, engineering that I'd done before, whether it was learning then when I went into S&C from a mindset perspective, um, I did a sports psychology diploma um, as well when I was playing rugby. And that was actually, I did that again when I was injured. I think that was when I broke my shoulder knew I was going to be out for ages so let's let's get on and do some learning and um but and that was really for my own benefit in the I didn't think I'd use it with anyone else but I knew that there was there was an element to my performance under pressure that I wanted to understand a little bit more about I was always curious about it and actually at one point when I was younger I did want to do that at uni um but yeah but but didn't and um what I think what I what I liked at the time with when we started working together with with one athlete was I didn't want to, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I finished rugby, but I'd, I started exploring that because I was getting a bit older anyway. I knew I was, I'd, I'd just signed a two year contract, but I knew it was pretend that might have been my last one, that type of thing. And I wanted to, um, or I knew that I didn't want to do something, go back to some, like go to into teaching. Um, or go into engineering, which would have been too obvious. And actually, had friends that were like, "Oh, come, you know, we need a science teacher at this school, or a friend that was working in engineering." Like, oh, I could get you a job at my place. Um, but that felt that all the experience that I'd learned in sport wouldn't, I wouldn't really be necessarily be able to apply. I didn't want that to go to waste. I felt like I had something to to offer, and and working in the one athlete team gave me the chance to use some of that experience to, to help others. And again, there was then another steep learning curve through the S&C course um, that I did and, and under your mentorship of that. Um, so another then like ag aggressive series of, of learning. And then and that, that sort of continued as we then went into calisthenics. It was like, we need to learn all this new stuff as well. And I perhaps, I think I've, I think I'd forgotten about that, that, um, I do have a love of learning. Um, and then, you know, with, with the calisthenics, we've got learning of the, the whole thing. Then we've got about the business. Like I've always liked the idea of rather than working for someone else, like having my own business or being part of a business and learning how to do that. And we learn it through at the moment trial. We don't exactly go out and, and follow any text, which we learn it through trial and error. But um, yeah, the other thing, it, it, it gives us that opportunity. And then it also then ticks that box of like, 
um, interacting with people, helping other people to then them learn something else as well. So it incorporates the teaching, it incorporates the science, it incorporates I was gonna new say learning. That I think that calisthenics or the school of calisthenics and what we're about and what the values are about are actually very much a reflection of the things that you get passionate about. So there is the teaching component yeah. of us coaching and on an education perspective. There's a science of movement and what we talk about from a training and strength and conditioning perspective. There's the mindset side of how we see redefining impossible. Yeah. So actually like it is very much, I think, feel like the the what we're about as a school is a very reflective of of you and your you i think you've really been able to bring your skills to the forefront as we've as a business has grown and we've become about we actually talked about it to someone today it, it started off because we wanted to do something cool yeah. but it's actually now we've we've got a vehicle of where we can bring in things which are also really important like performance mindset and how we see our approach to eating and nutrition and food. Yeah. Um, all of those things are very central to who you are as a person. The business now is a representation and, and moving forward because you're skilled and knowledgeable and like learning about those areas as yeah. well. I think, I guess I feel really fortunate that you, that one that you went, was doing all those things, not knowing the same with you or everything you mm. did before with your coaching and everything before you'd, We'd, we'd started doing calisthenics and started the school of calisthenics to now feel like all those things are coming together in this one vehicle and been to be able to to use them and also continue to do the things that you'd like to do so liking learning liking interacting um with people and we get to do it in such many different mediums these days of like we get to learn about business but we get to learn about the body we get to learn about like the specifics of calisthenics training but we also get to learn about customers and about customer service. So we get to learn about the business. We get to actually then interact with people in person on the, like I still find like the, the interaction that you get through social media fascinating. Even I, I find it fascinating how some people, some people don't like it and some people do. And there's obviously like certain things that these, that, that do get bad when there's been some things about it, but the, the human interaction that we get and being able to help people, in all like it's crazy the, the the spread that you can get through the internet around the world that that's or it brings a smile to, you know you you go on instagram and you flick a live on and it's like hey i'm so and so from germany or brazil and like it's mad to just think that that actually and particularly on those lives you're like it's actually happening there and then and like it's a it's it's mind-blowing but it's cool it's it's a privilege for us perfect so the next question, we're going to deviate slightly from the, our fairly detailed <laughs> right start. Smiles, yeah. When I first met that was, you... That was very serious then, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, I thought I'd set the right tone, so we're going to go deviate slightly. I sometimes, it's for, what's, oh, yeah, no, sorry. No, go on. Oh, it's your just, interview, Dave, so you like. Okay, yeah. I'm just um, here to facilitate the people. I'm interested, I'm interested to know what you... Um, like, I feel like I have... I can be... So you could meet me on two different days or different parts of the day, and someone could, might, like... There's a serious Dave Jacker that sometimes <laughs> used to be like when like telling kids off at school, <laughs> and then there's the other that there's sort of jovial and um, yeah, you you, you can be to, you to reflect that back. What is that like? You can be fairly split personality, and I think I've learned that when I need to just not be so closely like. It, it's not not to not be around you, but there's times when I can't put pressure on you <laughs> because you're just going to kick back. And you, 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 I can see when your plate is full, should we say. And then the other times when you're in that more relaxed state, then yes, yeah, giggles all the way. 
I don't want to swear. <laughs> there's a word that comes before that. But anyway, so let, on to more jovial things. When I first met you, there's a, fr- a friend of mine that I went to university with, lives in Nottingham. And I said, to him, oh, he, he was a Nottingham rugby fan. He used to come and watch you guys play. Um, I know where this is going. And I said to him, um, I said, oh, yeah, Jacko, David Jackson, I was starting to work with Jacko. He's just joined our team. And he replied very simply with five words, best haircut in world rugby. Guilty as charged. Describe for the people <laughs> listening, David, what was he referring to? Um, he was referring to something that uh, the likes of uh, Chris Waddle, Pat Sharp. Um, I, I once had a t- someone bought me <laughs> someone bought me a T-shirt that that had a picture of Jesus on, and it said "haircut of the, the mullet, haircut, haircut of the gods." I mean, so yes, I sported a mullet for a couple of uh, years during my. Uh, during my best rugby days, in fact, the, the, the two coincided when when I was rubbish, I had short hair. When I was good, I had uh, still short at the front and sides, but long at the back. <laughs> Business at the front, party at the back. I was going to say, what's the slogan? Yeah, absolutely. Business at the front, party at the back. Um, so it's quite a prestigious title, <laughs> best haircut. And Paddy was a big rugby fan, so yeah. world rugby, the best haircut. So what is the mindset behind a professional sports person who, who goes, because it wasn't like a half attempt mullet, it was a full-blown shoulder length yeah, mullet. Well, it took time in. to him. You can't rush these things. But why did you? Why did you grow? Uh, this why, is this is the question. Yeah, the why, why did you grow a mullet in the first place? Um, Attention. I've got to do it. <laughs> why not? <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I. Um, it started off as a very small, like it wasn't my hair. <laughs> That's like anything with you. It just I me mean, started off. Yeah. <laughs> it sort of escalated quite quickly. <laughs> it yeah, I guess it, <laughs> it did. But um, no, it started with. Um, my hair just got a bit long, as you've you've known me for a while. And even then, I'm not one of these people that have the haircut every four weeks, and you can't tell that it. You ever are changed. now. Now you've got it short. No, but it's still. I I should have if I wanted it to stay nicer like it was when I, I had it cut about eight weeks ago. Right. Whatever, which I mean, I still I'm never never managed to get into that regularity. But anyway, I'd let it grow for a while and was just sort of letting her be, shall we say? And um, and one of the lads, uh, Jack Cobden, was like. Um, why don't he, I had to play fullback or wing, and he was one of the wingers. And um, there was, a, there was his, his idea was the back three. Why don't we have mustache, mustaches and mullets? <laughs> he just thought that'd be brilliant. He was a bit of a loose unit. Um, and so everyone was like, yeah, that day at church, pre-season, everyone was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So I went home, Catherine, lop the sides and, <laughs> and the front of this, and leave the back love. So Catherine cut my hair um, with a pair of clippers. Yeah, amazing. Um, and one other thing, I think she'd cut my... I think, actually, she had been cutting my hair for quite a while. Um, if you ask her, she'd say she's fantastic at cutting my hair. Um, she doesn't like confidence in some really random... Um, like IT. <laughs> she, she might like confidence in certain areas where she's actually quite competent <laughs> and then doesn't like confidence in things hey, like haircuts. Let's not descend into criticism yeah, so, of your wife's um, <laughs> best yeah. features. I mean, she won't listen to this anyway. That's right. <laughs> And then I came, so I then come to train the next day, and obviously I'm the only one. I, the the moustache never took off, but um, apart from in November. But the so I then turn up, and I'm the only one with the mullet. And it was, I said to, it was very much Catherine, like, just do it. Like she's like, I, said, I was like, just do it for one day, and I'll we'll, we'll shave it, we'll just go back to normal the next day. And then there was, it got such a um, received with such, um, I can't think of the like a. A good word, but it was it was well received, yeah. shall we say, within the within the within the ranks. 
And then, yeah, it, it probably then took about two years or a year and a half for it to get to sort of like um, shoulder length of the back. sharp. Was pretty epic then at that point. Um, it got to the point where it got so long that it would get in my eyes when I was running to the end up wearing a scrum cap, which semi-defeated the purpose of it. But I'll never forget one time when I got I got tackled, I was at the bottom of the rock, and one of the opposition said something like, love your mullet, mate. <laughs> and well, he that, just hammered me into the ground. That was one of my questions. I, I, I'd actually written down that you, you actually you experienced a number of head injuries throughout your career. Yeah. And I wondered if those were purely incidental or was it because people just want to fill you in because oh, of having such an obnoxious haircut no the, it, it didn't the some of the away crowds would um try to uh, insult my hair which <laughs> which is difficult when you're a winger isn't it because you can be quite close to them yes. so you can really hear what they're saying <laughs> yeah but it was just funny people actually like it was just funny it was just a bit of a laugh that just went on for quite a long time um and then uh but other, yeah, no, other team players and stuff would always. I remember someone asking once whether do other players like pull your hair. It was actually no people liked it. It was just <laughs> funny. Um, it's available on the internet if you want to go and have a. Quick it was look. one of the, and it was one of those things of like you know what like I you couldn't I I when I worked as a teacher before you had to wear a suit and tie and you had to dress smart and you had to have a smart and you had to shave and it was actually like you know when whilst you're playing pressure you can do whatever you want so like why not take advantage of it I think was my attitude. Excellent. <laughs> um, let's talk it about. It got me on an ITV show on a Saturday, Saturday night ITV show. Um, I can't remember what it is. That's again. That's on oh, I think I might have seen. It was what's photo it called? Or footage of that. Yeah. Some of they had we- to guess. They had, a, they had a. They had to guess thing. I can't remember the name of it. But you had to guess. They had different people up, and we were. They had think three or four of us up. Three of us with mullets, and one with a fake mullet on, <laughs> and the, the the someone from Coronation Street that was the. Per, per lady had to guess whose mullet was was fake. <laughs> so one of the things that let's talk about uh, school of calisthenics a little bit, and we might delve into some other bits uh, around coaching and and some of the sort of performance related things from a career. But you are very much the at the helm of social media at the school of calisthenics. Um, it's your baby. It has been since day one. I, I flit in and out when. I, like I have, I have one of those relationships with social media, which is a little bit sort of love hate. Yeah. Um. And you're very consistent with it. And when I complain about it or get frustrated with it for whatever reason, because it's the sort of landscape that yeah. it is, um, you're always very sort of steady. But you started. We what is it? Were you the f- one of the first rugby players to be on I, social I've got back on in Twitter the day? early doors. Um, Which was the first avenue, really, for professional people to yeah. have a presence, I suppose. I remember um, Tomo tell, Ben telling me about it, and he was like, mate, you get on Twitter. I was like, what is this? It was literally, you know, and like, you, you see, that, what is this thing? And you can only do 20 characters or whatever it was. It was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like really weird. Um, and there was nothing really else. I guess there was Facebook, but there wasn't the. Facebook would, seemed to, at that point was just. You didn't have like business pages and pro. It was just yeah. like your mates or whatever from just sharing stupid photos. Yeah, there was no professional sort of out yeah, like, that, uh, platform at that point, was yeah. there? Yeah, I'm trying to think how long ago that was. Crikey, I don't know. Like that could be. Well, it was pretty early doors of Twitter. A lot of people just didn't even. I didn't know what it was when someone suggested that I should should go on it. And then, um, yeah, and I think just enjoyed like that. In, like it was like that interaction again that you just got to. You could literally message anybody and like they might not always reply, but like you could. 
send a message to Beyonce if you wanted to. Like, <laughs> probably Did not you do that? Here. No, I didn't. But, um, but yeah. you, aren't, you, aren't, you aren't afraid these days even. Of, and some of our great yeah, you opportunities... With the fans, I think that was one of yeah. the... That, that was like quite... That was one of the things. that We had a very good relationship with our fans at Nottingham on a like literally on like a match day and you could chat to them in the bar and stuff afterwards but it allowed that to like that to have that interaction like throughout your week and, and would they give you their feedback and evaluation of your performance normally just of the mullet right it <laughs> was a key talking point <laughs> looking fresh yeah if you i mean if you got hammered and you played crap you probably weren't then going on and, and making any comments but um so you'd probably just stay clear of it at that point yeah. no i mean yeah people were uh, I don't know, is it at our level or just where we were at that everyone was very supportive, yeah. really, generally. So you've got some experience now of building a social media profile from your own, as a, own individual, as a professional. I remember when we first started working together, I think you had 5,000 followers, and I thought, crikey, that is kind of a big deal. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had significantly less than that. I thought that's going to get a good reach. It's a good person to have on board. Um, but now that's scaled significantly. Like there's a lot of people that are interested in um, building social media followings and what have you what have you learned? I'm gonna take this in a slightly different direction okay, rather than spending yeah. the next time. Like yeah. this, this business and there's people will be interested because everyone's posting, everyone's looking for content to post, like for various different reasons. And the psychology behind why we use social media as a as a non-business is interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's actually what you've, you've made the point of. You enjoyed the interaction and, and identifying what it is that you enjoy about yeah. social is, I think yeah. is important in terms of yeah. making sure it adds value to your life because yeah. it can be quite a... Um, it can take a lot of uh, energy and, and attention away from other things potentially. Yeah. So what have you like? What have you learned about social building followings? What does it look... How do you feel about it like now? Because it's a, it's a big part of your life and what you do at the School of Calisthenics. Yeah, I think firstly, like, we both do that. So, um, but I guess as things have, like, scaled, like, um, that's just become one of, like, aspects of one of the roles that I take a, a lead on or whatever um, in terms of scheduling posts and deciding the type of things that we put up or whatever. Um, but we're both in there engaging with the people and the, the messages and the comments and all that sort of thing. Um, yeah, no, I think I... I find it interesting. I guess it's it's one of those things that um, it, it ticks those two things that we come back to. And this this is now becoming a therapy session because I'm just I didn't even know this, but it's it's making me realise it that I like learning. So you're learning like about the platform and what works and what is you know before you know what social media is, you don't even know what it is. So um, you, you you're learning. It's like it's trial and error. Um, you can try and be a little bit scientific about it by the way you do your trial and error. Um, and then it gives you that, that, that interaction that I said that like, and we get the opportunity to interact with lots of different people and we get to, to help a lot of people. I think one of the things that we have always been passionate about and we're passionate about at the, at the start in particular was about how do you get started in calisthenics? You see something because we've literally walked that path ourselves, saw a video of Frank Maggiano and went, oh, wow. I want to be able to do just a little bit of that. That's sick. And I'm not <laughs> playing rugby anymore, so I don't need to worry about X, Y, and Z. I can just do cool stuff. And then you you get it all pumped up, and then you go to the gym, and you're like, all right, well, I can't do any of that. Like, how, where, where, where is step one? He made that look really easy. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's actually me. really hard. hard. I mean, I feel very heavy right now. <laughs> um, and so because uh, we went through that and I guess we were fortunate and, you know, I was fortunate to be my, like my 
early stage of, uh, well, literally day one of like, I'm going to go down the S&C route to have somebody of your um, experience and what your experience had and the knowledge that you built up by the way, uh, by going into the Paralympic side of things that really stretched the knowledge that you have to have built up. Um, Which is maybe why you stuck at it, because you, you would have never left rugby thinking about going to a strength and conditioning and going, like when we, when we talked through like my story in the interview before, disability and that kind of thing had been a central part of my life. It was a natural progression, but you almost just stumbled into Paralympic yeah, sport, yeah, but then 100%. had the complexity of going, how the hell do you sort like this, that? It's a completely different yeah. landscape. Yeah. So, and a steep, yeah, and I guess a steep learning curve. And, um, and it was very, it was very great. I was very grateful that to have that uh, guidance and support from you. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't understand what I do now about, training in the human body if it hadn't have hadn't have been for that and um so where we, i can't remember what, what were we what did you what were you in, in terms of, so you, you're talking about like generally around the social building from uh, what that yeah, looks like for yeah. you yeah so learn um learn yeah no so, so sorry sorry to tell about the about trying to we were fortunate enough that you know with with your with your knowledge and what I'd learned and then how crap we were and, and how many th- mistakes we made trying to learn some of these things. If we, if we didn't have any experience from our S and C background and coaching of how to actually understand and break down these movements, we'd have probably potentially just been a non-start and gone back mm. to the bench press. Um, so we were fortunate to have that. And I think that we feel that we want to, um, we want to share that and we want, we want people that if someone else wants to uh, get the benefits of what we've seen through calisthenics ourselves, for us, it's been very organic. It's like we've tried it for first. We just thought it'd be cool. It's a bit different. And then like, it's just unfolded gradually all these different benefits for the shoulder, for the mind and all sorts of things that we talked about before. Um, and when someone gets um, inspired and motivated by seeing something cool, what, I, what, I, what sort of breaks my heart is to think that then, there was a message on Instagram this week or last week actually where someone like was going to give up because they were just finding it too hard. They didn't, they weren't following anything specifically and it, it was, they didn't know how to get started. And, and I think that's a really sad position to get into and don't want, want somebody that if they want to get, try calisthenics and whether it's all in or whether they're just doing bits with part of the training or whatever it is, but that they don't, I think like we have a, um, we have a duty almost, it feels that way to that if someone wants to get started to give them the tools to be able to then do that and, and how far they want to take that and the journey is up to them but to 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 certainly stop that roadblock of just being like, cool, how do I do it? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's really important that the, the point that you make about it's, we never set out to build a following because that's going to lead to X, Y and Z. Yeah. It was always from the beginning of we just want to share what we've learned, share our experience and that we've been fortunate to have had through careers and exposure to certain environments that not everyone gets to experience um and using social as a platform to be able to do that and then obviously because when we started it was never about a business really it was about us messing about and trying to share some some ideas and thoughts with other people yeah we were just doing the paralympic thing yeah it was in a cycle you were going to rio and like that was gonna yeah that's all it was yeah um and i think then with the the whole sort of social like building then social media was we were (laughs) 
Like, like you said, when you see some, when you when you see someone with five thousand followers or ten thousand, wow, that guy's got thirty thousand followers. Like when you when you have none, mm. but everyone starts with none, and um, we just try to put out. You know, you you've said it a few times before. Like you put out a video at the start when you've got like three followers. And it gets no likes or whatever, no traction because there's no one listening and watching. And it's my mum and your mum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then one and then one was me, <laughs> my other account. Um, but the and the thing is that we, I guess, what have we done? We've we've been very consistent. We've always put stuff out on a regular basis, um, and with that regularity, and we've tried to um, provide the best stuff that we can. We don't hold anything back. Um, and then if someone's got a question or needs some help, like we're always trying to do our best to, to provide that. And then as that scaled, like we, it's still me and you that answers all of the questions and all of the comments. And that, I guess now starts to come a bit difficult because if you, if you have a day where you don't answer any questions, like it's, everything yeah. soon sort of clogs back. So sometimes it can take us a little while to, to get back to people, but our intent is always to, to provide that help and support for people. Um, yeah, I think you've been massively important in that because you you are so consistent with it. Like I'm, I'm more like if sometimes we've got a project on, I'll quite easily just go and bury myself. Something you said to me before, like, Tim, you work best when you just get all in on one thing yeah. and it's difficult and it's like you're just going to go and immerse yourself in it and you'll come back with something which is then of interest. Yeah. But you, you have an amazing ability to be able to span a lot of, you can spin quite a lot of plates yeah, at the same time. I like time. bouncing between lots yeah. of things. Um, but I think with yeah. the social, like you say, we, we, you've been very consistent in terms of making sure that we've got stuff. We try to provide as much value. And we, I think the other thing is that we've just always been trying to be real about this yeah. is who we are and what we're about. And I, yeah. I think that's the thing that the lessons, I think, from building a following is not to focus on, it, the numbers are the numbers, yeah. but it's more about like what is a representation. I think you, you touched on it before, like the, the, what's the school of calisthenics has become a representation of what our what we are and who we are and that makes it very um i think it's 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 a more genuine representation of we do it because this is who we are right we're not yeah. trying to be something else it's yeah. not on social it's not trying to be perfect it's actually just a documentation of yeah. the journey that we're on and and letting other people that can relate and connect with that and, yeah. I, and I think that's a really it's a much healthier way of looking at social just do do you and don't worry about like yeah. what everybody yeah. else is expecting you to be like yeah and just and yeah like being being true being real and um like what's the what's the reason behind it and what's your intent behind it um and and i feel that we we've always tried to do that and make sure it's coming from a from a good place and like i said there is um you know i'm not going to lie and say like when we hit a hundred thousand followers i wasn't stoked because it was like that seemed like really good but it's what's the point yeah but we more important we've talked about it before from a from a, a business perspective and, and i think social has very much been like this view it's not it's never been about how many it's the challenge of can you you actually yeah. wanted to figure out how do you build yeah like a, an audience that yeah. you can then communicate your messages with yeah um and i think that's where that kind of that i see that drive in you of understanding like we joke about the algorithm yeah. but that actually is quite that's of interest to you you kind of want to understand what are facebook doing with an algorithm and how yeah. do like what are they prioritizing probably and, not probably not to the like level potentially should do more of um but then but some but, people would yeah. say ignore the algorithm yeah. turn up every day and put good and content just, yeah, out exactly. that's the best that's thing what's it, like, focus on the things that you can control you can, can control 
what you you produce and you can control um the messages you put out and then how you interact with people and just um you know Gary V if any Gary Vaynerchuk anyone that, that follows any sort of social media stuff should like so he's he's got a, a great message and and great um advice for people that like I'm a I'm a consumer of his mm-hmm. books and and podcasts and he's a great but if you if you are interested in more stuff like definitely check him out if you haven't done already um cool so um next question since changing careers five years ago yep. abrupt end i was going to get you to tell the story about your cheekbone and the incidents with the head yeah. injury do you want to talk about that or not because i think it's a real interesting twist of fate of how when because we've now kind of looked a, a super bit, short version yeah, yeah yeah do a short version because how you how that all kind of fitted into place and how we got to where we are today yeah there's been some things along that had that incident not have happened things could have been quite different yeah um so i crikey um uh, so five years ago i had a had a seizure on the pitch a head injury that um was the re- the end of probably ted hen ted he- 10 head injuries and i had to retire from rugby for that but about four years before that i broke my cheekbone and again there was a there was a concussion as part of that but uh, the interesting thing with head injuries is that when there's a more obvious injury, like literally my face was caved in where I had like this triple fracture of my cheekbone, um, that was sort of dealt with straight away. And um, head injury wasn't even actually considered at all. Never had, never had anything to do with that. I remember coming back, um, had my operation to um, have a plate put in my cheek uh, and to, to reset it, have a plate put in. And I think that was literally a week after. It was very they, they sorted out that very quickly, and the and the um, it was sort of I could go back into non-contact training. I remember being in the gym trying to do like a training session. I couldn't keep up with anybody and felt horrific. And at the time, I was like, "What is the matter with me?" And um, I think that that was down to actually like the the head injury that I'd had the week before, but just I didn't even it wasn't even considered. But um, things have probably moved on a lot since then in terms of medical care of that. But um, yeah, I went in to have a um, a plate put in. I remember speaking to the doctor. I went, just put him under general anaesthetic, and he's like, "This will do. Put this. Shows you the metal. Then we can put this in. Pull it out, and you'll be fine." Um, so then you wake up after the operation and he, he comes in on his rounds and he goes, right, yeah, no, it went really well. I uh, pulled it out and it's the way he sort of with it shows you with his like hands. It, he sort of, I have this, this, this vision of him with a like, just sort of like a coat hanger, just like pulling at your... I feel like it's like that game operation. <laughs> yeah, it was. I've seen... Pair of tweezers. Have you ever seen, I've seen a hip, I remember at a school, went on a school trip when I was a science teacher to somewhere, I think in Birmingham, the science museum and they had this on the screen um, a video of a hip replacement and that is like literally just with a mallet, just like it's yeah, it's pretty, pretty brutal. Yeah, it's not as intricate as you think. Anyway, he then goes, um, yeah, it, put, it clicked back into place and felt really solid. And I tested it and sort of he was making this gesture with his hand, like he was punching me in the face to check that it was solid. And it was like it was rock solid, so didn't bother putting the plate in. I was gutted at the time. I remember going in, right, think to this operation being put under, when you when you go into Gemini and stick, I've had it a couple of times, and you have to sign literally sign your life away. And I remember thinking, going and just sort of praying, like this will go, this goes well, like great, yeah, cheers. And um, and coming out the other end of it, and obviously it went probably better than expected. But what I was really looking forward to was going through um, having plate in my face. I thought that was just badass. And going through, like going through airport terminal and beeping and being like, yeah, sorry mate, <laughs> bit of metal in there. 
Like, it's the rugby mentality, isn't it? And and some, one of my friends had done a little. Uh, I don't think he'd done it on Adobe. It maybe done it on clip art. It wasn't that great, but like a, a, a picture of like half half Terminator, half me. Um, and then I said, obviously, let him down to say that no, I'm actually just a normal <laughs> bloke now. I have no metal. Um, and the, the relevance of that story is then so three or four years later, when I had a head injury, I was went for months, and months, and months trying to get back to playing, and, and it nothing was happening, and. Um, I was being told that actually there was nothing. I had a CT scan and there was nothing wrong with it and maybe just some bruising that was fine. Um, and I was getting then to a point where I couldn't get back to, I couldn't shift any of my symptoms and I felt like I was going to get at some, I was starting to get worried that I was going to get pushed because I wasn't going to be strong enough to put my hand up and go, look guys, I'm not right. Like I'm going to retire and quit. I wanted I needed someone to sort of take that off me. I didn't want to do it myself. Well, that's the rugby mentality, isn't it? If you just go on, crack on. Yeah. You're all right. And so I was worried, but I was, I was worried, but didn't sort of say it to anyone that I, that what would happen would be, I'd end up going back on the pitch and not be right. Um, and you know, if I'm, if I'm honest, I, mean, I can remember a game where that had happened that I, I knew I wasn't right, but I played and thankfully it was all right at the time. But, um, there, I ended up, um, Getting an, I ended up being. I got the. I got pushed to into a new doctor who then. Um, they ask you some questions when you. Um, this normally they ask you like like now they'll ask you pitch side to see if you can go back things like can you count back from a hundred in seven so hundred ninety three eighty six seventy nine did it like that, um, and he knew I wasn't that great and I was a bit of a zombie and this was still about three four months afterwards and he asked me to count back from a hundred in ones <laughs> and I remember something I went. All right, Doc, uh, 100. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it was so weird. It's like, you know the answer, but you can't process it. Um, and then he asked me who the prime minister was, and I was like, ah, oh, sure I know this one. He was like, okay. He did really well in, uh, the, no, he should have been like, crikey, you are absolutely screwed. But um, he did really well in like not making me sort of panic or anything. He then referred me on to get an MRI scan. And on my MRI, when I remember getting my letter through from MRI scan, and it said, like blah 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 and there was like a quick note about like have if you have any metal in your like face or i can't remember where it was but anything in the face or whatever then you wouldn't be able to have this mri scan and i need this was my own this was like my last chance to actually find out what was actually wrong with me how come three or more four months after this i still can't shift all these symptoms i'm still like a zombie um, and the mri scan came back showing um a, a, a scarring on the brain that was what had caused the seizure and that was sort of that was made it very clear the doctor was like you just can't play rugby anymore and that was done and I remember thinking back going cracky actually like if I'd have had that metal plate put in where would I where would I be and at the time my little prayer of like hey this goes alright and then being gutted that I didn't have the metal what that then turned out to be because um, if, if a boxer gets the same head injury yeah they, if a professional boxer gets to say if they have any anything any scarring on their brain from an so if a boxer can't take a standing ten count is what the doctor said to me if they can't take a standing ten count um, they have to have an MRI scan and if anything comes up on their MRI scan or any scarring like I'd had then they're not they take the license off and they're not allowed to box again professionally um, so uh, the neural psych uh, physio no, uh, doctor whatever so neurosurgeon um, was like. That she said ultimately in rugby there's no there's no rules like you can actually just play again if you want to, um, but my suggestion is X and the physio turns to me and was like well, what are you going to do and I was like well, I'm not going to can't get back on that and he was like yeah. good because I wouldn't let you. It gave um, you the closure that you were looking for yes, really actually yeah. made a quite a clean cut where it could have lingered on had yeah. that not have 
took the decision away from me, which it's a sad, it's, I think it's actually a little bit of a sad state of affairs that um, as a grown man, I couldn't like, not, and I don't say this about me, I just mean in general that there is that, and it's better now than it was, but you, you, you don't feel that it's, accept, like, you know, mentally I didn't feel it was acceptable for me to go, you know what, I know no one can find anything wrong with me, because that was the problem, there was no scans or anything at the time was showing there was anything wrong with me, and you're like, am I just making all this up in my head, and putting my hand up and going, look, I can't do this anymore. Um, but there was all the pressures of like, so what are you going to do now? Like contracts torn up and what are you going to, how are you going to pay your mortgage next week? We weren't on um, big uh, contracts like footballers and whatnot. So it was like literally a, a normal sort of salary, average salary job, which was great to play rugby for, but it meant that you didn't have, you didn't, didn't have a pot of money to fall back on. Um, but then that, that raises life again. Got exciting. <laughs> yeah, well, the importance though of what you'd done with the time up until that, because you had options. Yeah, it wasn't coming out of a career going. I've actually got nothing, which yeah. a lot of athletes do. They yeah. don't invest the time well. And sometimes for the reasons that the sport just doesn't allow it, because of, they've got so much on and the, and the commitment of, of training and everything. But at least you came out and went right. Okay, well, it, it, it may not have been ideal in terms of what yeah. you were faced with, but the opportunities there were some. Yeah, and I think having a fallback actually made gave me some comfort like so worst case scenario is you've just signed a two-year contract even if it just comes to the end of that two-year contract and no one wants to give you another contract like what are you going to do and having a takes a bit of pressure off like the pressure of playing can be quite difficult anyway but when you're playing for a contract it either goes one or two ways like sometimes at the end of the season you'll be playing against teams that are not doing very well but their players are playing for contracts and they absolutely like the bottom of the table, but they hammer you because the just the desire changes if they can deal yeah. with that pressure. Right, we're going to enter the quick fire component of the interview. Oh, I didn't know there was going to be one of these. There is. I'm not good at quick fires. No, I know, but that's why I've warned you. Otherwise, I've just gone into questions, but I know that you're gonna you would benefit from being told that you have to answer these is succinctly. It, is it one of these that you have to say without thinking? No, you can think about it. What time's oh. are ticking, Jacko? Sorry. Um, we're on 47 I didn't minutes. know if it was one of those like bang, 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 bang one. Fairly. Okay. But, but try and think that while you answer these questions. Okay. So go quick. So the first one, what would you be doing now if you weren't doing School of Calisthenics, do you think? <sighs> Reiki. Don't know. Literally. Yeah, don't know. Uh, Testing bricks at British Gypsum? Yeah, mate. That's what you used to do. Board. Yeah. yeah, I'd be a scientist. <laughs> Be an engineer. I don't know. Um, what would you like? So, if, if there was something, that, if you weren't doing oh, school counseling, what would could you? Could I do some, something that would be anything. nice to do? Yeah. Oh, right. I don't know. I think that's where I struggle with, um, like thinking outside the box. Because I'd just go to like something that I, I don't know. There's a bit of me that's like part of like safe jackos. Like, well, you just go and get a teaching job or go into engineering because you've already got qualified in those things. But then a bit more like entrepreneurial bit more um excited jacko will go like you can go and do anything i remember yeah. going on a trip to thailand and being like whoa thailand you can do anything like literally <laughs> you can do no you like. Rules. Like, why? Yeah. so um yeah i don't know i'd go and do something i'd like to think i'd go and do something exciting cool um what is the worst thing about working with me I had originally put That's down... What's the best thing? No, well, I thought I don't want it to be about me. <laughs> because I know that I can be frustrating. Um, and I thought it'd make good content. And, not, and actually, well, it's, it's a moment for me to try and, uh, yeah, I never <laughs> put you on the spot. <laughs> um, and try and say something not too offensive. You see what you like, be honest. Um, what's the worst thing? I don't... Well, I guess that everything's on a scale, so there is a worst thing. There's nothing that's, like, bad. Um, I'd probably say... 
that so it would be pedantic yeah uh, yeah no, it's, yeah like that sometimes i want things to go faster than and think that like come on tim we can actually like just flip in sign that off and let's go like that's 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 what i thought you would a, say good enough or be like actually it doesn't need to do this that the other but one of the things that um works so well about the three of us that are involved as like running the business that all three of us have different qualities and when someone you know if i was so if, if i was a, as a much a perfectionist as you were then we'd probably never get anything going. <laughs> yeah, we'd no, still yeah. be at the drawing board. But then equally, if you were the same as me, everything would have the worst spelling mistakes and there and nothing would make any sense. <laughs> and everything, we'd, we'd have loads of stuff out there, but it'd all be rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> so a, finds a happy, we find a happy medium, which is nice. It's nice that... Because um, rather than have strengths and weaknesses, they are... They, they just cut both... They're not, now, they're not now strengths and weaknesses. They're just tools that help move the thing forward. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that's what you would say. I feel like that's what I do. I, I generally am sort of like quite pedantic and, and can put the brakes on and stuff. But and sometimes, um, but that's what's needed yeah, sometimes. Yeah. You can but and sometimes need the to other move way fast. around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, right, you're not allowed to give me a nausea sort of on-brand answer to this question about enjoying the journey, right? Uh-huh. I want to know um, if you were in the Matrix, Matrix film one, and you uh-huh. could sit in a chair and someone would stick a needle in the back of your head and instantly teach you a skill. And I know this is about against everything that we okay. promote about enjoying the yeah. journey. But if you could have one skill right now, uh, do you mean in, in terms of calisthenic? No, anything. Oh, mastery of anything. What oh. would it be? So not like a superhuman, not like no, a no, time not flying, but no, like not literally, like, you know. So oh. in the Matrix, he learns kung fu like straight oh. away, and he's like master level kung Sorry. fu. Like it's a long time since I watched Matrix. I should have yeah. context. Um, so yeah, any any skill, but something of a human level. That's a good question. Don't know, but like, it's difficult it... when someone asks you a question that you don't. Like, I don't necessarily think about. I don't have like. Um, I don't necessarily have a. I think I'm gonna get. It's not gonna be a nausea. I'll try. I'll. I'll. I'll, I'll give myself some thinking time by just sort of <laughs> expressing a few things. But you know, when I said like, I love learning things. So actually, like, I'd not having the journey of, le- I know you said don't use it, but not having that process of the learning. I think it's the learning bit that I like yeah, yeah. the most. So, but then I'll try to, uh, what would I like, like to still, be able to right, do? You're right. And there's a, there's a load of value in terms of what, take learning to handstand or learn to play a musical instrument. The process of learning that is so much more valuable. There are some things in life where you go, do you know what? I'm now 38 years old. I wish I could draw. I would love to be able to draw and, I haven't got the time in my life to be able to actually invest at this stage of where I'm at of being able to do that. So if if I could just do it now, that is something that I think I would be quite pleased with. Because I sit down with a pen and paper and it's literally like Jack can draw better than I can. What about memory? Could I have that as one? Being able to remember things so you could then learn more. Uh, no, but not necessarily. Yeah, not necessarily remember things so I can learn more, but remember things so that I can be a lot... Like, I can't even remember birthdays. <laughs> like, what about spelling? <laughs> uh, no, because I can get by. You can buy the odd. You can get by the odd spelling. People know mistake. what they mean. Yeah, they? exactly. You showed what was that thing you showed at the seminar where you put all the yeah. words in the wrong order. People still read it. Yeah, the neuro chunking. You don't actually need all the letters because you can recognise them by chunks. That's exactly. the approach. You're as going long for. as I put enough letters down in some sort of order, people will get there. They still thinks that I should give him a computer <laughs> because he's a uh, he's dyslexic. I was a non-diagnosed dyslexic. But yeah, uh, memory, memory. Okay. My memory is bad for like just stuff. Yeah. Um, 
perfect, not glamorous, but important. Yeah, I don't think I've got a. I yeah, I don't think a, I don't think I've got a glamorous one though. Fine, you do you. Uh, last question then: important values in life. Uh, honesty. There's a very high pitched end to that. How many do you want? As many as you want. Three. Three is a good number, unless you've only got one. Um, honesty, loyalty, and work ethic. There you go. That's my last question. That's good. That's a nice ending. Though, isn't it? it was. I thought we'd, we'd come into land gently. Yeah. A little bit of fluffiness. You didn't cry, which is a bit disappointing. We laughed, um, though. We did. That was important. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I got the mullet questioning, which was important. <laughs> um, so that is it. That is a bit of insight into Dave's... Uh, history background things that goes through his head <laughs> a bit about what he does at the school of calisthenics amongst other things um and we wanted to try and with these interviews just to sort of give you a little bit of a different take on some of the yeah. stuff that we don't talk about very often i enjoyed it i learned a bit about me well, i, I remember some things that i used to know but i forgot about them and there's things that that, that that dave and i have spoken about over the years that we don't talk about publicly but are really significant parts of who we are what we do and what we're about so hopefully we've drawn some of those out Maybe you feel like you know me a little better now. <laughs> so that's it, Dave. Do you want to? Do you want? You can end the podcast oh, since well, it's yours. Um, thank you, everybody, for for listening. And um, if you, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd really appreciate any if you if if you found it interesting, helpful. You got any other questions uh, relating to any of the things we talked about, or something completely unrelated that we haven't talked about, but you still want to ask it, then. Um, you can either find us on any of the social media. You can email me directly. I'm more than happy to give that out. David at schoolcasthenics.com. Um, so David is my first name. Don't get don't get confused. It is Jacko. And um, yeah, get in touch. Let us know uh, what you thought. And also um, if you've got any questions um, and if you've got any like big questions you want us to answer in podcast, like um, we are more than happy to do them. Brilliant, David. So surely you're going to let me do the... the yeah, yeah, I'm going to you. Let me do the... Yeah. So, Jacko, is thank you ready? Is for ready? joining Drum me off, for uh, this week's playground session. Until next time, class dismissed. So, thanks for listening to the School of Calisthenics playground session. There's just one last thing we want to talk yes, to you thank about. Thank you for listening. And if you did enjoy it, we'd love you to uh, take a screenshot of your phone, share it, and tag us in so we can see what you thought. Put some comments on there, and then we will share those to uh, spread the the good news of the podcast and uh, it lets other people uh, find out about it as well. And so that's just going to help us to grow the podcast and uh, hopefully we get to thank you for sharing that with your, your friends and your, your other, your own followers. So we hope your training is going well, guys, keep pushing forwards and enjoying the journey. And then we'll be back with another playground session very soon. Mm-hmm.